Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. As you may have noticed with our previous productions, there is, in fact, a statistical likelihood of there being some sort of technical issue. Recent university studies shown that four out of five technical issues have are been all found. because of a bad button. <laughs> yes. Bad cord? Bad button. No, it's not a bad cord. Now bad. you need to turn number two back down just a little bit. <laughs> Because now loud, that the microphone soft, is now it's just right. Now that the microphone is on, and if the universe had any justice, a giant bear would come in here and grab Jason and him carry him away. Okay, Goldie. Really cool. Doesn't have locks. He has locks. So I hope. Locks. I hope. For, I hope for the five people watching that was very entertaining. It was a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. Was All a right, thing now happened. let's let's do a little business. <laughs> And, uh, and then we'll get to our topic. This, uh, this, this evening's episode is brought to you in part by SuperheroStuff.com, where you can get 10% off your order if you enter the promo code SciFi for me 10 And uh, we're very happy to have them as a marketing partner here at, uh, at SciFi for me TV. Yep. Lots of cool stuff. Um, Tolfer says a bear would be good for some views. <laughs> it's true. You know, ratings and such. Exactly. We, sh- we should do sweeps month. <laughs> you know, like the old TV networks used to do. Uh-huh. Let's see. February, May. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, August, though, isn't it? Or well, the fall premieres were usually in September. September, right, man. But your sweeps months, you had November sweeps. Mm. November were the big sweeps. Yeah. Yeah, so November. February were kind of sweeps months. Back it in the wonderful world February of wasn't television as, that was not a, not a thing that you experience anymore. Well, because February, it was getting what? toward the end. Uh, it was toward the middle. What? We don't want to see that part of What? No, no, uh, no, stay on the two shot because this, micro, this camera is not working. I was going to test it to see. It's not. I, there's not a light on over here, so it's, it's not working. <laughs> the gremlins got to the camera. Well, I didn't have time to test it because I've been going all day. I've been going since 7 o'clock this morning, mm. moving stuff and cleaning stuff out of the old place. And we're that close. We are that close. That's what this set is missing. What's that? Actual gremlins. Do superhero stuff sell gremlin toys? Maybe. Because, you know. We need a, do we need a gremlin or a mugwai? Oh, definitely a gremlin. I mean... Yeah. Mogwai would just sit there and be cute at us. The gremlins could be like hanging off the camera uh-huh. that isn't working, lurking on the top well, of the microphone. Well, we do have a salacious B. Crumb over there. That's true. The troublemaker that he That's is. That's true. So. And gremlins Yeah, we're getting an animated prequel set in the 1920s. From who? It's going is it Nickelodeon? 
Hmm. Oh, it's going to stream to Warner's streaming service. Interesting. Did you hmm. see that uh, uh, Sandman is coming to Netflix? Yeah, I saw With a budget. That. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I'm concerned, but I'm also excited. It's also David S. Goyer, so I'm not... Um, uh, you know, um, but but Gaiman's going to be producing, so considering... Based on the based on the success of Good Omens, but David S. Goyer, yeah, I know, I know, but but Gaiman has he shot down so many different really terrible versions of Sandman that were tried to get off the grounds over the years. There was one uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt a few years ago, right? And that one actually, there was a lot of positive buzz about that because he was a super fan. I mean, he loves yeah. the comics, and he was he was very much concerned with keeping things. Uh, as faithful as possible, and like I was telling you earlier today, watching a current, watching a, a brand new series that comes out that is not faithful to. Yes. I'm uh, for those of you who have not seen the the new Star series, The Rook. Um, check it out. Uh, I'm. It's based on a book series by a, an Australian author named Daniel O'Malley uh, called The Rook, and the second novel is called Stiletto, and they're great books. They're they're not perfect. But they're but they're a lot of fun, and unfortunately, the TV series lacks almost everything that made the books unique, mm. which is unfortunate. So, it might be a, it might be a very very cool TV series, but it's a very poor adaptation of the, of the book. So, Goldie Crouch, yeah, the, the Goldie yeah. Crouch, Gold, the Goldie Crouch, yeah. <laughs> Goldie Crouch of the Three Gremlins. <laughs> That's my new band. <laughs> Album Beyond at Christmas. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. With a special introduction by Joe Dante. Right? See, that it, would actually... Uh, that would actually sell. That would actually sell. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, so um, I did not have time to get this set up over on the computer for you to see, so we will put a link to it. But um, uh, originally, if any of you were watching Good Morning Multiverse Saturday morning, Tim and I talked a little bit about uh, San Diego Comic-Con and talking about what, you know, it, it, a possible topic for us tonight would be the different studios that are not going to be making a presentation at San Diego this year. However, Alex Winter posted a photograph over on Instagram today. And it's a, pho it's a photograph of himself. He's back to the camera. He's wearing a t-shirt that says Wild Stallions. <laughs> And he's announcing with this post that principal photography has begun today on Bill and Ted 3. And if I understand right, I think the title of this is Bill and Ted Face the Music. I think that's, I think right. that's the title. So by sheer coincidence, yesterday I get a message from Sonia who listens to the show. And she's always giving me suggestions for topics. And she said, you know what you should talk about? You should talk about how popular and how wildly, insanely in demand, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and putting my own spin on this, Keanu Reeves is dealing with now. You know, he's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So since I got that suggestion, we should talk about Keanu Reeves. And Alex Witter posted mm -hmm. on Instagram this morning, I thought, well, you know, the stars are just aligning totally. 
Yeah, then you mentioned it to me, and I pointed out that I have just seen a couple of stories online where people were talking about how Marvel has basically approached Keanu Reeves for like every film they've done yeah. and asked him if he wanted to be a part of it. And for whatever reasons, he's declined, or whether it's been scheduling or whatever it is. I don't know the details there. But... Uh, the, the current rumor right now is that they're courting him for the Eternals. Right. Now, now consider, too, the number of names, or the names that are now attached to the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie. Right. Salma Hayek. Yeah. That's, that's a get. I mean, right there. I mean, to get Salma Hayek in a Marvel movie. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it twice. And now Keanu Reeves. Because, you know, in the past years, oh, well, you know, Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Sure, but now right. you've got all of them in one. And it got me thinking, you know, with, with, with Keanu Reeves back in the spotlight because we had talked a while back about those flavor of the month actors sure you know where yeah for a while benedict cumberbatch was in everything chris pratt was in everything Mm -hmm. and and now it seems like we're going to get uh well tom holland is doing the spider-man movies but then he's also doing i think uh i think the adaptation of far cry a video game he's, he? he's going to be in that uh, so we're starting to see Tom Holland kind of start to pop in various other productions yeah, and Sheila Booth was for a while and you know just these things. Steven Seagal was back in the day I I don't know I don't know that you could adequately compare Shia LaBeouf with Steven Seagal although maybe you could if you spin it just right I was going to say they're both about as you know Justin Bieber challenged Tom Cruise to a to a, what, a cage fight or something. Wouldn't it be interesting to see Shia LaBeouf and 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 Steven Seagal? And These the cage days, my money's on Shia LaBeouf. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that if 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 he, you know, Seagal falls on him, hits him with a smattering of Russian or something, maybe <laughs> confuses him. <laughs> but it throws a bad script at him. <laughs> That's been done plenty of times, <laughs> also right? True. Yeah, but monkeys. But on the level of Seagal's scripts, I mean. Now, Under Siege was pretty good. Under Siege Two was I, as well, but uh, the, I think the Under Siege films, Seagal was at that point where he was. Steven Seagal was a. He's kind of the, and this is a comparison that that do not take a a, <laughs> this the wrong way. He's kind of like he was kind of like John Wayne, in that John Wayne played. A certain character. kind of character, yeah. right? Right. And the only time you ever got John Wayne stepping out of that was things like The Quiet Man or Rooster Cogburn, you know, these sort of characters. You know, the, the Cowboys, he was sort of outside okay, of sure, yeah, yeah. that. And the shootest. But you look at someone like Steven Seagal, and he kind of played that same kind of just this character. Yeah. And when he tried to step out of it, he did it very, very... Um, Clunkily, let's go with yeah. Yeah. Um, on deadly ground. Ow, that movie is so. And Michael Caine turns in a Jaws 3D level performance there. <laughs> you know, you know what made Under Siege work. I saw that in the theater. <laughs> what made Under Siege work 
was Tommy Lee Jones. The bad guys in the both. The bad actually. guys. Yeah. Uh, Eric so. in the second one. The the strength of the villains were because the villains were fun to watch. Sakal was just there to beat people up. Yeah. And I think that that so there's this and that also was in a certain window of time. Once that window, that certain '90s window, closed, there just wasn't a place for Seagal. And as his continued film career has shown, um, he doesn't have a whole lot of range. See, and 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 that's some people don't. I mean, and a lot of people made that criticism about Keanu Reeves for a while because he was playing the same kind of I character. Was one I mean, of them. Bill and Ted mm-hmm. was his, you know, that's where we first noticed him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who are these guys? Now, Alex Winter went on to have a very successful directing career. Mm-hmm. He's He's been on the other side of the camera for a number of years now. Um, as a matter of fact, he directed the live-action Bed 10 movies. Right. So he's been in genre over the years, but he's he's a, a successful, tel- uh, mostly television director. And Keanu Reeves, of course, acting, mm-hmm. but you had the comedic stuff with Bill and Ted. Right. And I guess he didn't want to get pigeonholed as a comedic actor, and suddenly he's in these things like Point Break and Speed, and now suddenly he's an action hero, and there's The Matrix. And well, but before that he was doing things, he was also trying to break into more... Uh, certainly broaden his range in the kind of films he was doing. He was in Dracula. Right. Rocking a sadly not very good English accent. And a lot of American <laughs> actors cannot do English accents. He's not the only one. But his performance was very noticeable as being, it's Keanu Reeves playing a British lawyer. And then there was um, Much Ado About Nothing. Shakespeare. One, Shakespeare. Uh, which, Scanner. huh? Oh, the Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, actually, I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, these were not necessarily great choices for his range. Now, oddly enough, as someone who was really critical of him early on in his career, it's like, oh, he just plays the same part. One of my favorite roles of his was actually fairly early in his career was Parenthood, yes. where he gives an incredible speech about, you know, you need a license to have a car. You don't need to be, have a license. You, you, there's no license to be a parent. He talks about his, his terrible uh, father. I believe it was his father in the, in the film. I can't remember. Uh, and it's it's an amazing scene, and it's a, it's a, it's an emotionally gut wrenching scene for a film that is largely very funny. Uh, it's a real kind of a heartbreaking moment, and it's Keanu Reeves, and you're going, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. that's that's powerful performance. But yeah, he certainly he certainly did not always have the best choices. But he also what, what was that one that he did with Morgan Freeman, where they had the the nuclear reactor that was. That was going wild. He was a student. He was he was Morgan Freeman's. Well, it wasn't a nuclear reactor. Was a nuclear reactor? I think it was a, a experimental. Sort of it was an experimental power source. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it was, countdown. What it was. was that it was an. It was an adequate. Um, there was a whole bunch of that. There was that little period there where there was a lot of that kind of movie coming out. Well, and he was still playing that same character. Right. Yeah. But then he, it almost felt like he sort of faded a little bit because, he did he did the 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 time travel house movie with Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. where they were writing letters to each the other lake the lake house right and then there was that one that was it World War One, World War Two, where he was playing a soldier I think it was in Italy there was a violin 
Um, grape, grape Cap- something. Captain Curly's violin. Cap- uh, ca- yeah, was something like was Captain, was Man- was mandolin. Uh, no, Captain was- Corelli's mandolin. What was that? Was that Keanu Reeves or was that? Uh, um, well, for heaven's sakes, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Maybe that was Nicholas Cage. Uh, but no, he, if, if, if it wasn't that film, he had a film uh, along those lines. It was the same kind of thing. I think it was a period what was- piece. He was in the remake of the Day Still. Yes. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> And and oddly enough, oddly enough, he was one of my favorite parts of that film. That film has got a lot wrong with it. Keanu Reeves playing an alien character, oddly enough, wasn't the worst part of the movie. I, th- I think he was he was genuine. I mean, his initial scenes, especially, where they actually played off the fact that Keanu Reeves had a tendency to play things very flat. Chain reaction. Thank you. Chain reaction. And he was in the walk in the clouds. A walk in the clouds. That, that was it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. See, Johnny Mnemonic is an example of a film that should be remade with the same cast. If I think, well, yeah, because I think there's a, the the biggest and and I'm sure I'm not I, plenty of people are going to disagree with me. I'm sure, but the biggest downfall to Johnny Mnemonic was the effects was what you could do at the time for a, for a cyberpunk story for really leaning into Gibson. Yeah. You need to have a budget, and they unfortunately just really didn't have the they didn't have the resources to make the kind of film that you really wanted to. And and Gibson's a tough nut to crack as it is. In well, terms of and cinema. speaking of cyberpunk, cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, they did that reveal at E three a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles, and they you know hear that they roll out the game trailer, mm-hmm. and at the end there's <laughs> Keanu Reeves right there in the middle of the game trailer, and everybody went. Ugh! <laughs> had a collective heart attack because Keanu Reeves is in a video game. <clears throat> but I thought it was really interesting the interview that he was that he did. I caught I caught a piece of it where he was talking about they were asking him about being the Hollywood star mm-hmm. and being in the video games. And he had a real interesting take on it in in that he was saying, you know, a lot of people think that being the Hollywood actor legitimizes the video game somehow. And it doesn't. You know, the video game stands on its own. We're just there to help tell the story. He was very, very humble about it, I want to say, where it was just... He wasn't feeling his own oats. He wasn't He wasn't buying into his own press, as it were. He, and he I see this story. I see way. the story about him all the time. How he's such a nice guy, and he's, and he's doing. I mean, he sets up. What was it? He was, sets up, you know, charity funds, mm-hmm. and he helps hospitals. Well, and, he doesn't do a lot in the public eye because he takes care of his sister who's ill with something. Right, right, right. Here's his. He's he's taking care of his sister. Well, you know, you don't have a microphone, right? So nobody can hear you when you talk. <laughs> Maybe should we should we give you a, a microphone? No, to... it's the H2O show. Uh, okay. With special but, guest. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, also there's uh, several stories recently about the fact that in in this time when people are very concerned about about public figures touching members of the public mm, in mm-hmm. in ways that, however innocently intended, may not perceived that way may not be read that way by other people whatever the reasons and he's someone who's he's not a terribly well he's he's made it fairly clear over 
several years. He's not. He's not. He's a lot more shy than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, a big name actor to be, and one of the things that I think tend, some people tend to forget is that a, for a lot of people, and this is a sweeping generalization, and we know what those are like. Oh, sure. But for a lot of people, acting is therapy. And it's a way of getting outside yourself and become playing right. someone who isn't you, who isn't like you. My favorite roles when I'm when when I've been on stage or, or acting uh, in films here in town are people who are nothing like me. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's it's fun to play. Well, I always love playing the villain. Um, you do it so well. <laughs> got mad. I got mad evil skills. Um, but <laughs> speaking of evil, do we want coffee? Do we need coffee? Or no? Um, I wouldn't turn down coffee. Okay. I haven't had a cup I, of coffee. I haven't had a cup of coffee since ten o'clock this morning. I haven't had any since seven seven thirty. I'm going nonstop. And we have not knifed anyone. No, or... not yet. <laughs> and yes, Chris, you're probably going to pay for that later. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he's, a, he's or I will. He's a he's a, he's an actor who has found a niche here are we mantuane says no coffee at night lol it is not and and i said lol it's well, it's yeah. morning somewhere <laughs> chris, chris is chris is okay if i'm the one that pays for it it's morning thanks somewhere. chris uh the the so kater reeves i think for all the films that made him famous, certainly bill and ted were films that resonated with a certain age group yeah but his big superstar moment of course would have been the matrix where things blew it out of the water right this is the thing and unfortunately the strength and you could this is a this is a you know hardly a minority opinion when it comes to critical commentary but the quality of the matrix films have well you kind of have to grade them on a curve starting (laughs) Uh, at the beginning of the first Matrix film, rising up to the end of the first Matrix film, and then descending. And descending. And I'm one of the people who actually... How, how steep is that line going down? Um, uh, so I'm actually one of the few people, apparently, uh, who actually liked the architect in the second one, because I love the fact that they yanked the rug out from underneath everything. I love yeah. I, I love that in storytelling. And then they completely squandered the potential of, if you introduce this character, it's like... It's it's Richard Attenborough is the devil. I mean, come on, <laughs> I mean, give, give me more of this. You know, play it up. And yeah. they completely threw it out the window. And then, of course, the ending is is uh, some lot of pe- some people were not terribly thrilled by the ending of the series. Chris says that that descent could be described more like plummeting. See, I think definitely in the third film. I think the third film was a severe drop in in quality of story. There were some great action sequences. Yeah, and I love a good explosion. So does Michael Bay. I said I love a good explosion, <laughs> and I, I will give I will give Michael Bay credit. Although he reused the shot, there is an amazing shot in, I think it was the island was the original version, and then he reused it in one of the Transformers, um, where they're uh, it's Scarlett Johansson <laughs> and uh, um, um, Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor. Uh, starring in a film that did not deserve them, um, but there's a fantastic special physical. It's not bad. It's, no, it's not bad, but it's a ripoff of the Cronus horror, and almost disturbingly ripping off the Cronus horror. Anyway, um, the 
there's a scene in that film where they're on a truck and they're these big axles, metal axles are falling oh, right, off right, the truck. Right. And they they bounce down the road and one of them hit a tr another truck hits it and it basically flips the truck up in the air. And though they CG'd the the axles over it, on the behind the scenes I watched the behind the scenes uh, footage on that movie. And there is thank you. And there is a moment where it, it's driving along and this Thanks. and this metal plate shoots up out of the ground mm -hmm. and flips the truck. It was a great practical effect. Oh yeah. And so I'll, I'll give Bay credit. Every now and again, he does a great practical effect. But, um, yeah, so I mean, the, and then he made films in between that and, and John Wick. When you consider that John Wick is like, what, three years old? It's a relatively yeah. young So now we're series. talking about Keanu Reeves, not Michael Bay. Because Michael Bay didn't make John Wick. No, he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. And uh, someday Michael Bay might make a film that, I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. Uh, someday Michael, Michael Bay might make a film. So we have uh, we have uh, uh, suggestions here from various uh, from various members of the audience sure. uh, as to what exactly was the rock bottom for Keanu Reeves. Um, Mantuin says the lake house. Mimi Cat says a walk in the clouds. These are really lower than say Dracula. You know, I thought Dracula was fine. I no, I no. liked Dracula. I'm talking about his performance. His, well, okay. But the thing is, if you're talking about his worst movie, if you if or you would his worst performance. Well, if you if he were playing Dracula in Dracula, then yeah, it would have been it would have been terrible. But uh, but consider mm, that he's now no casting no, now. No, well, yeah, now he'd be great. I think but he'd be, see, I think he'd be quite good. Or potentially, it'd be given given his character and the character's role in that movie, he's it's it's a fairly reactive character all the way through. All of these sure. things are happening to him, and he's confused and dazed, and is like, "What are, what's going on?" And he's trying to figure things out. So he's a little bit numb to everything because he can't, he can't process it that's I'm, that's I'm, how I'm I'm how I'm reading it because I'm not going he, to give him that much he's, he's, he's the weakest it's the weakest character in the story it's not his performance it's the character I think at the time well I think Coppola it's, didn't do very much with that guy yes it's both I think I think it's it, uh, Jonathan Harker has the potential to be a a very uninteresting character. And unfortunately, Keanu Reeves at the time was not the person to play that part, to make him an interesting character. Right. And again, unfortunately, we come back to an, an English accent that he just could not pull off. And while he was woefully miscast in Much Ado About Nothing, um, it's a film that also has uh, Michael Keaton chewing the scenery no. in a particularly voracious manner. And so while his, his performance is not great, it's also a film that was made by a bunch of friends saying, hey guys, let's put on a show. And isn't, isn't, is that the one that Joss Whedon did? No, it's, one, the Ken, it's one that Kenneth Branagh did. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes, and yes, yes, yes. It's actually, I really enjoy the film, and I, and I although, although Keanu is in many ways the weakest performance, it's, you know, I don't hate him in it. He's, he's playing a character you're not supposed to like as it is. Yeah. So, um, but... 
His lowest point, the worst movie he's made. Hmm. I haven't seen The Lake House. I'll be honest. I, I haven't I, either. I, have, I had zero I, interest I in watching it. it. I think it it's an interesting premise, mm-hmm. but given the fact that it was a romantic movie, and when did it come out? When did The Lake House uh, come out? Nineteen. What the the music video? Music videos cannot be used as as uh, <laughs> arbiters of acting ability. <laughs> okay, so oh, two thousand six is what Mantween is th- is thinking. Um, so two thousand six, yes, Mantween, you are correct. You get uh, what? After a scanner. Now, I liked a scanner dark. So I thought it was interesting. So Paula Abdul's Rush Rush that was off of this album that came out right after she was accused of not being able to sing because she mm. had just done the big pop album, her breakout album, mm-hmm. because she was a backup singer to dance choreographer right. and all of that, uh, L.A. Lakers and, and whoever else. And there was the word that was going around, oh, she can't really sing. So she did this one, this next album was a lot of ballads and really complicated <laughs> things. It was actually a really good really good album um but yeah rush rush i never saw the video for that i did not know that keanu reeves was in that movie i'm uh, sure not a movie it was a i'm sure i've video. seen it but i honestly don't remember anything about it it was right before was it yeah. uh um, did anyone see the neon demon came out in 2016 but he mantuin said he never heard of it is neon demon reeves is he in that he is in it yeah he's in it what Who is else he is in that that sounds uh, really what's familiar what's the neon demon I haven't heard of this. To the internet. That wasn't a a Charlize Theron film, was it? No, that was another one. Sweet November. Okay, Okay, at some point we're probably going to have to give her a microphone and we're going to keep asking her questions. Well, let's repeat what she says. Well, still. Um, I don't want to get into the habit of repeating what she says. Okay, Ella Fanning. Uh huh. I have not seen it. Uh, I'm I haven't. Not I this. Christina Hendricks. So that's two projects he's done with Christina Hendricks, because Christina Hendricks is in Toy Story Four, with Keanu Reeves. You know Keanu Reeves is in Toy Story Four. Isn't everyone in Toy Story Four at this Just point? Just about. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like being in a Marvel movie. It's like, can I be in Toy Story Four? <laughs> not that we needed Toy Story Four. What was the first movie you did with Patrick oh, Swayze? The first one was early, early. Now, see, I could see... Youngblood. Yeah, okay. Youngblood. I oh, could sure. see current modern Keanu Reeves playing a version of Snake Plissken. Because so, they're redoing Escape from New York. As much as we don't need a reboot of Escape from New York. The only the only reason to do and and okay. I could see him playing Snake Plissken. Here's here's what I will say about a re- a remake of Escape from New York. We are so clearly past the point that that film takes place. <laughs> and it has not happened. I've been to New York. Is it still there? It is still there. It's not a prison. It is no, 
No, um, <laughs> most prisons have lower. Uh, uh, <laughs> it costs less to live in a prison. Than live. I I heard uh, I heard a guy talking the other day. I was listening to uh, Lars Larson, mm-hmm. and he had a he had a guy on talking about uh, a, there's a, a sociology professor in South Dakota. I think his name is Rutledge, and has been looking at an odd juxtaposition of statistics in that we have more dystopian future stories come out in times of economic prosperity and success which I thought was really 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 odd well I don't think that's odd because dystopian stories tend to reflect um often very specific fears writ large. Um, the loss of the family, the loss of the culture, the loss of your country, the right. loss of... And when things are going well, it's when you start going, what if this all went away? Now, see, that's what I'm thinking it probably is where it comes from, mm-hmm. is you know, we're, we're enjoying all of this. What happens when it when it Go south. Because nothing lasts forever. No, nothing lasts forever. You know. And I think that the the plus side is that so many of those dystopias, A, we've lived through them because most of them are supposed to happen about 10 years ago. I know. <laughs> so, and as I recall, 10 years ago, 20, 2009, no, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. It was, an, it was, it was a year. It was a year. And things happened, and some were good, and some were bad. And, well, and that was all and I remember that year, the, 2009. <laughs> the dystopian future of, of Escape from New York eventually could happen. I mean, we could still do oh. it. Just just throw, throw it out further into the future instead sure, of just right. doing it in, in now. Well, and I think that, um, actually, we, we did have an, uh, an Escape from New York movie. Um, and it starred Guy Pierce. Um, and there was a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, oh, for heaven's sakes! I can't remember what it's called. Uh, well, it was set in it was, it set, was set in, in space. space. Yeah. yeah, it was Escape from New York in Space, starring Guy Pierce. And uh, if you want to look that up, Mindy, it's yeah. it's it's actually a very very good pastiche, and that's yeah. a phrase you don't a word you don't get to use about films too often. Pastiches, of course were something that happened a lot in the publishing world. Solar Ponds, for example, was a pastiche mm-hmm. of the Sherlock Holmes stories. Uh, and there's a whole, there's a copyright, copyright laws used to be very, very lax in a lot of ways. Mm. And so you could sit there and go, well, clearly this isn't Batman. This is the man Bat. Or, and, you know, they're Superman. No, this is stupendous man you know I mean you can, you can get away with that in certain circumstances um, unless you were Fawcett Comics with Captain Marvel right you know. but uh, yeah so pastiches in film it is it is not a direct remake of Escape from New York but it is so Escape from New York that the lawsuit won yeah and it is stupid <laughs> it is dumb and I was the I movie was, stupid or the lawsuit stupid no the movie is stupid and I was entertained. I got to tell you, folks, it is not a good movie, but I sat there. Dumb and, fun. I grinned the whole time. What? Who was it? Wow. Yeah. 
I, I kind of five kinda, six years ago. Yeah, let me let me let me let me let me look. I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> and then, of course, if you want uh, if you want uh, another Guy Pierce film that you probably didn't see, uh, Ravenous, with Robert Carlyle, and Jeffrey Jones before his uh, uh, life went uh, unfortunately very poorly, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a <clears throat> horror film that had the wor- one of the worst advertising campaigns to come along before John Carter, and Lockout. Lockout. That's what it is. 2012. Yeah, um, folks, I highly recommend for a Saturday afternoon. Do not think too hard about it. Lockout is stupid fun. <laughs> it's not a good movie, but it's stupid fun, and you get to watch a guy Pierce try to pretend that he's. Snake Plissken. Oh, I, uh, speaking of stupid fun, I have something for you that came out of the garage. And I have a challenge. Uh, well, no, hey, mm, I have a thought. Never mind. <laughs> now I'm concerned. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so, anyway, Keanu Reeves. So, um, there was, I think, I think it might have been a, a cracked article recently. I can't remember which one it was, uh, where I saw it. But somebody was pointing out. We we talked about this on on uh, Good Morning uh, Multiverse with the uh, the fact that Keanu Reeves, John Wick, has a ridiculously high body count. Yeah. That his body count vastly outnumbers most most monsters in horror films. And I think it was a cracked article that someone pointed out that we're rooting for the bad guy. That that. He, we all sympathize with him, you know, being upset about his dog, and ignore the fact that John Wick is a contract killer. Yeah. And he was a very successful contract killer for criminals. He's not a good guy. Right. He's, he's the, an antihero. He's the he's the least awful person in a room full of awful people. Yeah. Mantoin is asking: Are movies like Deep Impact and Armageddon examples of pastiche or studio ripoffs? Um, neither, unfortunately. There, there. This we see this happen periodically, where you see a studio, somebody gets the idea, and, the, and this doesn't happen. It happens rarely enough, but often enough that, mm-hmm. that it's actually. I, I think there's a term for it. How many? How many Christopher Columbus movies came out that one year? Exactly. Uh, well, and you three. And, and you know, we talked about this uh, when when I'm when I went on to talk about sci-fi for me and and my film stuff with Todd Norris's. Um, Matt Tweed says he calls it the Wyatt Earp syndrome. Yes, the Wyatt Earp syndrome. Yep. But um, the Matrix, for example, came out within a year of the Thirteenth Floor. It came out with the within a year of the Truman Show. Yeah. And it came out within a year of um, Dark City. And of those four films, take Truman Show out because it's it's got a different tone. Right. But of the three films that are left, um, Dark City is the best movie. I will fight you. <laughs> um, as big as The Matrix was, in terms of a better movie... Craft-wise and everything. Craft-wise yeah. and everything, it's Dark City. And Matrix used Dark City sets for filming, which is cute little trivia there. And the 13th floor is like, okay, um, The Abyss, Deep Star Six, and Leviathan. Right. Okay. Right. This happens periodically. And there's not some, you know, I got my hands on Warner Brothers script collection. 
a lot of these scripts or version or things like this script uh, float around on the blacklist. Right. And this is a this is a, a list of scripts that everybody loves and thinks there's a potential, but nobody has bought them. And not all of them are written by Art Buckwald. <laughs> and a lot of them are you really, know, really good for the time. They how, don't age. How many people are going to get that? One, two. We'll find out. We've got. We've got. <laughs> it says here we have seven people watching live. Uh, by the way, if if uh, if you are watching this in playback, or if you're watching this live, if you prefer podcast versions of this show, mm-hmm. uh, we're now available on iHeartRadio. So you do a search, The H2O Podcast, and you'll find us there. Um, and also, we didn't mention, I didn't mention it earlier in the, in, the, in the broadcast, the Super Chats. Yes, we have Super Chats as well. The Super Chats. We are, at least for now, we are a monetized channel, which means that, uh, that we get ad revenue, unless Google doesn't like what I'm talking about. Um, and so uh, the super chat is a way that you can uh, donate money to our channel to support what we're doing here. But uh, it's completely optional, mm-hmm. no obligation. So it's not pay to play. No, it's not. And we and this is this is something also that uh, we've talked about before. Um, our content over at the dot com, there's nothing behind a paywall. We don't we don't put it behind a paywall. We don't m- require you to sign up or give us your credit card number to verify your ID or anything like that. It's just here's our stuff. Read our stuff. Yeah. So. Which is so, Keanu Reeves in a Marvel movie. Yeah. I'd say make him. Well, it, it's it's looking. The rumor is that people are talking talking about the Eternals. Right. But let's say he doesn't do the Eternals. Now the plus side of, the plus side of a film like the Eternals, and this is where for everybody who sat there and said Guardians of the Galaxy, who the hell are these guys? Yeah. The Eternals is that for most comic readers much bigger in terms of who are these people. Right. They've been around for a long, long time. They're a Jack Kirby creation. And there are, there have been multiple, uh, I think Neil Gaiman wrote a Eternal series. There have been multiple miniseries over the years. Are they sort of the equivalent of, of Kirby's New Gods over in DC? They, they have some, sort there's some connections. There's some, thing. there's some, there's some reflection there. Yeah. But they're, they're different enough as to be an interesting set of characters on their own. But concept wise, it's the same kind of an idea. Yeah. 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 It was, these are, these are the, the entities that mankind viewed as gods and demigods back in the day and there are some really potentially some cool stories it's part of that yeah. whole cosmic bent that we're supposed to be hearing when it's going in right. the next phase of Marvel movies what if Keanu Reeves were to play Victor Von Doom the only issue I would have with that is that Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom can and should be played by anybody. 
because you shouldn't see Doom's face. And okay. even though you have an actor like Carl Urban who is willing to wear Judge Dredd's helmet throughout the entire film the way it got intended. Yeah. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, I, there, I have, I, there's a certain fondness in my heart for as bad as it is, and it's a bad movie, there will always be part of me that will have a fondness for Stallone's Judge Dredd because it's so bad. It's almost <laughs> brilliant. But Carl Urban's, uh, his, his playing the part um, is honestly one of the most truthful adaptations we could hope for for Judge Dredd and right. it's a shame we haven't gotten the sequel but because uh, everybody involved wants to make one there's, there's just not the money isn't there but Doom time for a GoFundMe Doom shouldn't be you shouldn't see Doom's face right and you should um, the one I will say this I will give I will I will damn with faint praise the Josh Trank Fantastic Four hmm in that five minutes at the end where Doom is tearing through the military base. Right. There's a couple minutes in that whole sequence where it's vague, he's vaguely Dr. Doom-like. And he's behind that really questionable you know, makeup choice they've got going on for that. That's the way Doom should be in terms of... I mean, you should never see his face. He should always be this scary, masked individual. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves, certainly... And and uh, there's a physicality to Reeves. I think they would get lost in Doom. Not Potentially not. I mean, Doom has certainly had... There's been fight scenes in the comics with Doctor Doom, but he's more of a sit-back and manipulate. You know, sit on, a, sit on a big throne and say, It is not yet my time. Now it is my time. Wait, yeah. that's a different villain. <laughs> it's clobbering time. Um, there is a talk. There's rumor, and and you you I'm sure you've heard this as well. There's rumor that they're they're going to set the uh, Fantastic Four film back in the '60s. I heard that rumor. Now I seem to recall you and I having discussions. I, yes, we did. That yes, the Fantastic we did. Fantastic Four film needed to be set in the '60s. And I'm wondering when the check's going to arrive in the mail. Yeah. Uh huh. Now. Uh, Oh, speaking of which, mm -hmm. I have a funny story to tell. The check arrived in the mail. I have a funny story to tell. No, because in all of the all of the boxes, the packing and the moving and the packing, sure, the boxes, right. boxes, uh -huh. boxes, boxes, right? Were there boxes? Today was the first day. Oh, there were so many boxes, and there still are. Today was the first day I actually got a chance to go to the post office and put in a change of address. Mm-hmm. So I go to the post office to fill out the little change of address form. Right, yeah. And they're out. They're all out. And I Everyone look in the lobby. Moved. I looked in the lobby and there's this really long line and I've am in the middle of three different things at once and I don't want to stand there and wait for just to go that. <laughs> so there's this little sign where the where the forms are. Apparently there are these things called computers. <laughs> and you can you can use your computer to call another computer on the phone. And you can tell you can use your computer to tell that computer, hey, tell these people I've moved. It's sorcery. I know. It was magic. It was Foul like, witchcraft. I, I push I push and you know, I just tap the screen <laughs> and the letters show up and you push a button and say, Okay. Well then I go because since it's online 
right. there's a convenience fee of like a dollar and I some sure, change. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I fill out the I fill out the form. I put my credit card number in, debit card, you know, da da da. Well, of course, since I'm doing a change of address, it's asking me which address is the billing address for this card. Mm-hmm. And naturally, I put the, put the old one, and and you press it. And we're not and we're not able to process this. Doesn't matter. Sure it does. I do this all the time. This is the address. And I go through it a second time. Oh, we're not able to pass it. Oh. So I put in the new address because last week at the bank, I changed the address at the bank. Right, right. So that now the card knows that it lives somewhere else now. And it went through. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your dad on computers. <laughs> Don't let this happen to your father. Show him the wonders of the internet. Take re- him to the safer places. It reminds me... Show him cute cat videos on YouTube. Have you heard... Okay, so have you... He'll thank you. Have you heard the radio commercials for the foster care for the, for the teens? Uh, what, to, what to expect when you're expecting the teen version? No. And it has the guy trying to explain teen slang. I almost did a spit take with coffee. <laughs> he's, he's obviously he's in you know, f- late 40s or 50s voice mm-hmm. trying to explain terms like jelly and on fleek and totes. Totes is a, is a shorter way of saying totally. On fleek is a, 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 a modern way of saying that something is rad or cool. And, and as soon as I and as soon as I heard that, I thought, who says rad anymore? You know? And this guy sounds like he's our age. I was like, nobody says rad anymore. Do they? Uh, sure they do. Right up there with the folks who say totally tubular. <laughs> For sure. Right? <laughs> Oh man, I. Uh, you want to talk about reboots that should never ever happen? Anything involving Valley Girl talk. It, I, that whole that whole thing mm, could just go away and so never come back. I have been to California exactly once. Um, my my, uh, when I was in college, my my roommate Eric, uh, his family's part. His dad lived out in California, and so when we were in college, so it's about eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, we flew out and spent a week out there in LA. And uh, my friend Suzanne lived, was going to college out there as well, so I got to go to the, the improv. And it was kind of it was interesting. I got to, sure. to find out, you know, what LA traffic was like. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I got to go to the beach, which I hadn't been to since. I mean, I was born in Virgin, on, at Portsmouth Naval Hospital. Did you spend Virginia. a day on the four hundred five? Not quite, but. Yeah. Um, I, but this was eighty nine, so I was there during the. Dude face. Oh. Dude, man. Speaking of Keanu Reeves. Dude, dude, dude. And it was everyone. It was little old ladies. It was police officers. It was, you know, the the priest walking down the street. It was every single human being in the entire state of California, as far Uh, as I could tell. It's probably an exaggeration. It may not be. All named dude. I was there for a month that week based on the pure sound of the word dude. And it's a good thing we came back because it was this close to a dude-related homicide. 
And it would have been, Your Honor? She said, Dude. And he's going to say, Sir, she was a nun. And I'd be like, <laughs> She said, Dude. And I couldn't help myself. And the jury would say, Dude. Dude. <laughs> now, there was, a, there was a comedian who who really pointed out the advantageousness of the word dude. And the, I, it's I suddenly have the urge to... I, I, I suddenly have have this thought in my head, what if Sam Kennison had been telling this story? Oh, God. So, I can't, remember, I can't remember who the comedian was, but he was talking about how it was, uh, you know, you could use it for anything. So, it's it's a greeting. Dude! Yeah. It's, you've screwed up badly. Dude. It's, are you hiding in the closet with an axe, a braid to jump out and kill me? Dude. <laughs> and I, and I think I saw that far enough after my dude-related trauma. <laughs> and now it doesn't bother me so much, but God, it was just, a, it, was, it was oppressive. I it am, was an oppressive level of dudity. There we go. <laughs> I'm wondering, it kind of makes me wonder if Bill and Ted have matured past that language. That. I know they were in San Dimas, which is right next to where you went to school. But you know, I hope not. Here it is. And I'll tell what, you why. How long has it been since the second one? Uh, 20 some odd years? 25, 30 years? Yeah. So Something like that? They would have to have because grown wasn't out of some wasn't of that, that right? Uh, God, I, I think I think I was still in college. I think I was working for the movie theater when the second one came out. So it would have been before '95. So I want to say '93, '94, '93, '93. I think. Bogus Journey. Was yeah, Bogus Journey was the second. '91. One. See, there 91. you go. Um, who played Death in that? William, uh, William Sadler. William Sadler. And he is coming back. Well, of course he's, he is. He's back in the new one for this. And I think I think it was relatively close to Die Hard Two, so and you got him as Death playing as comedy, and then you got him playing the villain in Die Hard Two. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Mimi Cat says the new word she's sick of hearing is claim. What's your claim? I, you know, I have I have heard of this, and I've seen a couple of examples of this, mm -hmm. and I think it is one of the dumbest things. That anybody I'm has come up with as far as apparently slang. traveling in the wrong circles because I can it, have not heard that at all. It, uh, it's basically what's your story? Sure, right. Yeah, what's going on? Mm -hmm. what, what what ideas do you have today or right. something like that? I think is how it is. I'm I'm not sure. It's not a very rad slang. It's not hip. It's not happening. It's not it's, now. It's not. It's not. You know what was really cool when Drew Carey's show did what is hip as their opening number. And they had all of those different for the kids at home. The Drew Carey show was the thing he did show. before he became a game show host. It was a good show, it, but that you know the what is hip and he had what, the the best piece of that because he had HR Puff and stuff on there for one shot, and he had Dick Clark on there, but then he had Flip Wilson. And I was like, That's Flip Wilson, and I was like, oh, I'm happy now. It, I don't know why it just warmed my heart to see Flip Wilson, you know, as part of that opening opening <laughs> montage. It was just fun. 
I watched the Drew Carey show when it was on the air. I did too. He made me sit and watch all that stuff on YouTube one night. Uh, well, all that was, stuff. All that stuff. Well, yeah, I showed. Night? Okay, so okay. so when. Say. Okay, <laughs> so to to give to give people a little perspective here, <clears throat> there is uh, a, a, a nine month, uh, nine years and some change, nine month, nine years and some change between me and intern without portfolio. Mindy over there is is younger, and so Not there right. are occasions. <clears throat> When I mention something in the pop culture... And from in, time to time. From time to time. Every now and again. Every now and again. It's almost every Once day. in a blue moon. Yes. Where I will mention something. And blink, blink, blink. Cocked head. What? Huh? You know? No, no, no. What's on you? Cocker spaniel. Yes. The little cocker spaniel. Tilt the head. Mm-hmm. Or you know how Scooby-Doo does... Huh? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I get that. I get that a lot. Programming. We were shaped by our childhood and Scooby-Doo. I am am looking forward to the new movie, and I'm not. I tell you what, I am dying. Speaking of of things that need to be not not be made, new Scooby-Doo movies, um... Edgar Contero. At least it's going to be animated. It's yeah. not going to be one of those live action CG messes that he did. Um, you know, Ed, Ed, there's a, there's a, an author named Edgar Contero, and I think he's I think he's a Spanish author. I can't I, I think he lives in in Spain, um, or perhaps in South America. But anyway, he's he's written a. What if Scooby Doo met Lovecraft? Um, and it's mm-hmm. played straight. Well, have you seen the DC comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's the, it's, uh, the, it's you talk about apoc- apocalyptic stories, right? Um, but no, this is uh, basically it's it's what if the Scooby Gang were real people, and what would they be like as when they grew up? Uh huh. And of course, dogs don't live as long as people, so that dog's dead, right? And it's the grandson of that dog who's there now, and the. They all went their separate ways and went to college, and one of them became an actor, and one of them is in a mental institution, and one of them is can't get a you know can't get her life together, and one of them you know, and they're all drawn back to that mystery from their childhood. It is a very very good book. I highly recommend this book. It's called Meddling Kids, of course, as it should be. Highly recommend getting this book and no. listen to the audiobook if you can because the reader I can't remember who now is the it. Book. Is it licensed Scooby Doo characters? It's not Scooby Doo. No, it's not. They're not. But it's it it's is the, it's the form. It's, it's the archetype. The idea. It's the types. It's the archetypes. Yeah. And it is um, probably this a film made of this done properly would spark a franchise. Hmm. Uh, because we know Hollywood is all about franchises. Well, but you could keep doing it with these guys. And I think that... But I uh, maybe they shouldn't do it, then they'll break it. <laughs> anyway, uh, pick up the book. It's, it's highly recommended. Um, it's an excellent book. So are you, you... You're not a gamer. Not so much. I mean, I, I certainly yeah. have played... I, I, I kind of got to some of the Resident Evil. I had my little Resident Evil yeah. phase and played certainly some of the... The atmospheric horror games, uh, probably from about 10, 15 years ago, and then I just, I, I'm, I enjoy the visuals, the time it takes. Oh yeah, 
So Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077, not on your radar right now, then. Right. Not to play, no. no. Uh, Mitt, could you do me a favor? Could you hand me that stack that's over there on the peninsula? Um, as as we're going through things, mm -hmm. I'm in uh, one of the last remaining rooms of the old bunker. Mm -hmm. And down on the bottom shelf, there's a few boxes. And I pull out this box. And I set it down and I open it up. Mm -hmm. And golden light started streaming <laughs> and I heard violins and choirs and oh, yeah. you know because in this box and it was not the Ark of the Covenant because you still not the face. Ark of the Covenant I'm still alive in this box were a number of I'm sure three and a half well um, uh, you remember the zip drive oh the sure I Omega zip drive yeah. they had the zip disk with 100 megabyte discs <laughs> yeah. that like 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 a, a, a floppy disk on steroids. Uh -huh, they were that yeah. big beefy thing. Well, I found all of those, and all of this is is archives of my early work. Sure, you know, and in, in advertising and in media production and stuff. And then I dig down a little deeper, and there's all of these uh, three and a half inch floppies. You know, mm -hmm. the A drive, the thing that looks like the Star Trek memory card. Sure, right. You know, yeah, I found a box of brand new. Never used TDK 1.44 megabyte floppy disks. Uh huh. And I can't wait to use them <laughs> um, for coasters. <laughs> but then I found these. Uh oh. I'm very excited because I thought that I had sold these at half price books oh. because there was somebody in the house that didn't like me playing these games instead of spending time. So, Star Trek Borg. Oh, hey, yeah. Which, this one out of this set, eh, mm -hmm. I was never that thrilled with this one. Klingon Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I've posted photographs of these over on Instagram. And I talked about this last night on Pineapple that I was, that I was going through this. Um, uh, and we've had some comments, some people saying that Klingon Academy was one of the better ones out of this set. Um, <clears throat> Star Trek Klingon. Mm -hmm. Robert, shoot, what's his name? Played Galron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. so there's Galron on the front. Robert. And then we've got Starfleet Command Neutral Zone, which I don't remember playing this game. Hmm. Um, but um, what's the other one? Uh, Star Wars X-Wing mm -hmm. is in that stack. And then something called Outland, which I think is kind of like SimCity, oh. where, you're building, where you're building an Earth outpost, you're oh, building okay. a colony. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, or SimCity or Civilization, you know, mm -hmm. those games where you build the cities. Um, right, yeah. There's I, there's a few of them online now that are, that are similar. But that piece de resistance, the one that I really enjoyed playing all the time, mm -hmm. was this one, it was Starfleet Academy. Yeah. And this is, a, and I think one of the reasons I liked this one so much 
is because it's similar to the original wireframe Star Wars arcade game. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the you had the 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 controller and you're playing and you're shooting and it's all wireframe because back then they didn't have all the right. CG and the sure. graphics. This one's similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the ships are more than wireframe, but it's that same feel. Right. Yeah. And now I just got to find the joystick. So in underneath, as I've, I've when I bought the new desk for my home office, I have a Cadillac to choose on cords. So I basically bought this desk that did not have, it did not have a complete backing all the way around underneath, which I needed to make sure. So I got these, I built up various barricades underneath the desk. Mm-hmm. Some of it, some you know, of it I've actually, got those rubber, those rubber tubing that you could wrap around cords. Yeah, but I've got so many external hard drives. It's like a uh, uh. forest, uh, but. So they had this box as part of it, and in that box were uh, Doom. Oh yeah. Uh, were American McGee's Alice, the first one, um, and uh, Resident Evil Three, uh, Alone in the Dark, not the terrible Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> uh, through no fault of Keanu Reeves, somebody had a, he had a bill to pay, and it was uh, Yui Bowl. You know the, uh-huh. the, the the worst filmmaker, but great at getting German tax breaks. Um, and you know, there, there's probably only four or five video games that I still own. But in my closet, I have um, this is a, a gamers. You, and you can we people who who still play tabletop games will, will recognize uh, Starfleet Battles. Oh yes. And Star Trek, the role-playing game. Ah, and, we should maybe we should put a team, put a put a group together one night and do some Starfleet battles and if, stream. Uh, um, unfortunately, my friend my friend Calvin Key passed away, and I don't know where Kenny Chung is ended up. Uh, but we we built probably the ultimate, well, for us then, Starfleet battles uh, campaign where it was the Klingons, the Tholians, and the Federation. Versus the Doomsday Machine, mm. and if you've ever built a ship in Starfleet battles, we made the Doomsday Machine almost <laughs> unkillable. Yeah, I mean, it required three entire fleets. I we played for a month. I was. <laughs> it's great. I think I was a freshman. Oh, I was a freshman in high school, and I got invited to a Starfleet battles mm-hmm. uh, campaign. We started Saturday evening, mm-hmm. and went. All night, mm-hmm. all through the night, without mm-hmm. stopping, and they were still going when my parents picked me up so we could go to church Sunday morning, and they were still going that that afternoon. Sure, um, and I think it's it's it and that you know, you talk about the the grind for video games now, mm-hmm. where you're playing for eight or ten or twelve hours. <laughs> Yeah. That's nothing compared right. to some of these some of these campaigns from way back in the oh, day. Yeah. I, and it was uh, for those of people who collect miniatures, uh, it was a big time when a lot of the the really detailed miniatures were coming out for yeah. Star Wars and Star Trek and that sort of thing. So really enjoyed that sort of stuff back in the day when I had when I had time to play giant campaign games that would last. Yeah. Weeks and weeks and weeks and yeah. weeks. Yeah, but anyway, I am looking forward to to breaking out as soon as I can find the 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 joystick. <clears throat> I am going to crack this open, 
make sure well first of all i have to make sure that the that the flood of two years ago didn't damage the discs mm. assuming that the game still plays right then i will likely stream it over on our twitch channel there you go um because there's going to be a lot of rust. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh crap, I remember this. Oh, this. and um, and speaking of our Twitch channel, I'll put this plug in before we go. Uh, we have three different programs over on our Twitch channel right now. Zant Durham uh, has a couple of things. One's called Late to the Game, where he's a he's a college kid. He's mm-hmm. one of our interns, and he's playing games that he should have already been familiar with right. and he's he's kind of behind the curve on some of these so he's playing that then he's got one called trophy case where he's grinding through to finish and and get all of the prizes mm-hmm. sure and then he and jameson brem have a show on thursdays called just eight bit of your time which is news and and discussion of right. what's going on through the week in the gaming industry so i recommend those uh and then every now and again we'll just we'll pop in and and play a game i i i i'm just i i'm very excited about this i can't i don't know why i mean it's, it's, it's a game all right that's going to do it for us tonight don't forget superhero stuff.com you can put in uh the the discount code sci-fi for me 10 and 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 you'll get 10% off your order. Wait for um, it. Wait those, for it. Those, those of you who are watching, uh, you'll see there I mean you can enter it the old fashioned way with the, you know, just type it in the address bar, but you could also scan the the uh, QR code there and it'll take you right to it. But uh, uh, sci-fi for me 10 uh, over at superherostuff.com. All right, that's going to do it for us this evening. Uh who knows where Keanu Reeves will show up next? He's all over the place right now. So good place in his, he's in a good place in his career. He good, is. For him. He good for him. Is. So and we're in a good place here, but it's time to go. So thanks very much for watching, folks. Uh, if you're listening and playback, thanks uh, thanks again for the support. Uh, don't forget uh, if if you're uh, watching here or on YouTube channel, uh, make sure that you're subscribed. Hit the bell for notifications. Uh, share with your friends. We're right now sitting on 1,213 subscribers, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, when we get to 1,500, we have a special event planned. Uh, when we get to tw- when we get to 1,500 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and it'll hold steady for a little bit, we're going to do a live, hopefully live, ask me anything with Tom Kane the voice of Yoda uh, over on on uh, Clone Wars. So we're very excited about that. So let's get to 1500. So share us with your friends, inflict us on your enemies, and uh, tune again next week for another H2O podcast. I think next week we'll talk San Diego Comic-Con. Sounds good to me. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for watching, folks. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.